Uh, this next poem I wrote um, a few years ago. I uh, was working, doing some theater workshops out of a, a library down in southwest Denver. And um, someone ran into the library and asked to use the phone to call 911. And so we all ran outside, and there had been a car accident. And I ran outside, and this poem is the story of what we all found. And it's called Inside the Raft. Inside the raft, I ran outside. Your brother was lying dead in the street, and you stood on the sidewalk screaming, your hands covering your mouth. I softened my focus in order to determine the greatest need. Three passers-by crowded over the body, unwilling or unable to know its lifelessness, and you stood on the sidewalk, fuzzy with perpetual motion, screaming, I grabbed you. I grabbed you and I held on tight, attempting to fuse your spirit back to its base, keep you from killing yourself or tearing your hair from its roots, your hands over your mouth, your hands in your hair, the rocking, the stutter, the sobbing, the screaming. You were 14 and your six-year-old brother was dead in the street, dragged by the truck, library books in the road. I held you. It's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, you chanted. Oh God, I want to die, please let me die. You tore your hair and I held you. I know that you don't understand, I said softly, but it's not your fault and I held you. God is great, you must pray and I held you. I held you and your head fell back, mud meeting heavens and you cried, Dios mío, ayúdame. Ayúdame, ay Dios mío, ayuda. Later, a librarian asked you about your mother. At home, you stammered. I took out my phone and took you by the shoulders. I need you to tell me your phone number. Suddenly, you stopped moving, condensing your energy into 10 points of focus. Three, oh, three. Does she speak English? You nodded. I stepped away. Right before your mother answered, I thought of my own mother. I saw her drop the phone, scream, go limp, evaporate, incinerate, disintegrate, combust, liquefy, and disappear. The who and where must come first, I knew, before the what and why. She answered, you don't know me. My name is Andrea. I'm on the corner of Mississippi and Tejon. I am with your daughter, and she is fine, but there has been an accident. The line went dead. So quickly the afternoon was ruined. So rapidly the crowd gathered. So shattered was the light, the November side light, the near dusk disappearing trick, glinting, glancing, entrancing light, the light your brother ran into, the last light, the only light that mattered as it shattered, as first the truck and then the trailer, jolted, bumped, took hold, would not let go, 30 feet, a stripe of rubber, ending in the gutter where now the paramedics bent over the body of your brother. I felt myself spinning with the rotating lights, hearing cries yet seeing beauty in the way the four men lifted your mother, dragging her to the grass as though she'd been deboned. 
beauty in a woman, her hand flat on the top of your head, praying, praying to God, entreating the sky, Dios es poderoso, Dios es fuerte, Dios en su sabiduría proteja esta niña, protejala, proteja, in your mercy, in your wisdom. And then they took him. No one would say what at least one librarian already knew. She had tried. She had pressed his chest, blown air into his tiny mouth. She was back inside the library, a woman told me, in the bathroom, throwing up. You were finally sitting on the sidewalk, and I knelt at your feet, both of my hands on your body. I could feel you heaving, and I had nothing left to say. I was near and also far, witnessing the tilt from denial to pain. I could not turn off the beauty, no matter how shattered the light. Your soft hair, your long road, your mother's grief, and the driver to your mother, how he held her, how he cried, how he looked her in the eye and apologized. And the rocking, like a raft, and all of us were in it together, broken and weathered, alive. So this piece is called Big Woman. I had forgotten what I look like, a big woman. That's what Larry from the bar in Louisville called me. Damn, he said, that's a big woman. I steered to a stop, my heart in my teeth, his face a smear beneath my heel already. I could feel my blood on fire. I could feel myself inspired to kill that drunken mother. I was aghast, agog, alarmed, unhinged, singed by the burn. I turned, I could have smacked him, but instead I laughed because I had forgotten what I looked like, a big woman. A big woman that Larry from Louisville wants to screw. Forget all I've projected. In him, I am reflected raw and wide. He'll tan my hide if I'll let him. He wants to get all up in that. My hills and holes and rolling fat. He wants to crawl inside my curves and suckle mama's honey till it's gone. At the school in South Central, I was finger licking. Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was a tall glass of water pulling eyes and not just because I'm white. Damn, Miss Moore, you got some fine cakes, said James. 17 and unconcerned. You know, you can't talk to your teacher that way. You can't just say the things I'm dying to hear from a peer, preferably over a 17-year-old minor. That's one of the finer things in life. Inappropriate compliments from underage students. A little prudence, please. Jeez, James, 30 years of guilt and shame you're up against. An unplayful banter between fear and loathing. And you suppose you can just blow open all those windows with a few crass words? How am I supposed to pretend like I don't have an ass if you say that it's fine and call it a cake? I quake with the knowledge that people have eyes and they can use them to see me. I am not invisible. In this culture, I can trick myself. I can vanish altogether. I can walk down the street in white neighborhoods and never turn ahead. Am I allowed to observe that white guys don't dig me, but West Africans line up for a chance to palm my hips, to crush my lips, to pull me past velvet ropes in London clubs after hours, that Spaniards will take me standing in showers, that Brits will pull me to their beds before they've even fed me? The American, barbaric, and Caucasian evades this Venus flytrap only. Sure, everyone is haunted, the skinny and the strong, 
The irony of obesity has been obvious all along. The weightiest are empty, and empty folks are fat. It's just as crude as that. Else, why would we shove the food, the hot, the cold, the bland, the bold, the steaming lot, the cold, the hot, so far deep down our throats, if not to ease the aching bloat of empty? Tempting to not talk about it. I'm tempted not to think about it. But for a change, I'll rearrange the habit of ingestion and get the information out. I am a big woman. I have always been this way. I dream about being a head on a stick, a brain with feet, a thing that thinks but needn't feel. I try to hide my size, more so even than my mind, more so even than the grinding of the gears, the way I operate in fear, the self I'm certain will repel you. More than that, I hate the fat. I want to crush it underfoot. I want to carve it from my corpse. I want to shut your eyes. I want to vaporize. It's the strangest thing. I have this skinny friend, and she is seeking that same end for herself. So how are we to reconcile this universal hatred? What lubricant will buffer this metal touching metal? I am fed up with my own voice more than any other. I just want to discover that thing that can't exist. The right size, the right shape, the right weight. In Thailand, I shopped for fisherman pants to keep my head above water. The female shopkeeper was five foot four, a size two. She took my hand and stroked my arm. So cute, she said in uncertain English. Before I could react, she pressed both palms against my stomach flesh. She explored my every curve. So cute, she said again. Her eyes were hungry and her fingers sped. I want to look like you, she said. Thank you so much for having me.